Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one for the first time the third hearing on January six I watched for about forty minutes and then I had to shut it off. This is a choreographed uninterrupted one sided propaganda presentation and the Democrat Party should be paying for this not the American taxpayer and even the legal analysts afterwards have failed to underscore what kind of a proceeding this is and some of the journalists so-called are commenting on the information that's coming out from the lawyers and so forth. Even Trump's lawyers didn't believe he could win from the challenge. How many lawyers did Trump have? He had several. Some said yes, some said no. And John Eastman has turned into the fall guy. He's a lawyer, he's an advocate for the president. Whether you agree with his legal judgment, his legal findings or not, it's what lawyers do. And we're told over and over again by the legal analysts that his position on the Constitution and the power of the Vice President under the 12th Amendment and under federal law is frivolous and baseless. The members of Congress were reading off teleprompters. The presentation included cherry-picked deposition videos. 
cherry-picked witnesses. No debate, no challenges, and no reply to the assertions. None. Like I said, it's an endless, uninterrupted, one-sided propaganda project. And it's like the prosecution in a case just keeps talking and talking and talking and talking. No challenges. Nobody to stop them. Nobody to oppose them. You know, I found a piece in the New York Times from January 6, 2021 by Derek T. Muller, he's law professor, University of Iowa, and he specializes in election law. And he takes his shots at the Republicans and Trump, but he does more than that. He does more than that. He says, after Republican victories in 2000, 2004, and 2016, Democrats in Congress used the formal counting of electoral votes as an opportunity to challenge election results. While the Congress has the power to decline to count electoral votes, done so only in extreme situations in the aftermath of the Civil War, when, for instance, a state was deemed a lack of functioning government, the Electoral Count Act of 1887, which sets the rules for Congress to count electoral votes, was enacted with the presumption that state procedures are trustworthy. The act instructs Congress to defer to state judgments when a state resolves controversies over the appointment of electors. Now let's stop there as a footnote. Let's say the state violates the federal constitution. When other branches of the state government, other than the state legislature is mandated and commanded by Article 2, are changing the election processes right up to the day of the election. Now today, at the hearing, it was supposed to be lawyer day, at least in part. That never came up. It wasn't discussed once. And I might say... J. Michael Ludig, a former friend, a former federal judge, he's obviously lost a step or 20. The sanctimony and drama coming out of his mouth was disgusting and shocking. And while I think Vice President Pence's lawyer is a sharp guy and gave his advice to Vice President Pence, it's not determinative of anything. And neither is Mark Short's testimony. Mark Short has hated Donald Trump since day one. Nothing personal. But there were nobody else who could speak to the law. Nobody else who could speak to what took place that day. Every single person at the same position. Except Eastman and Trump. That's how the media are reporting. You know, other than Eastman and Trump, a very small circle with those. Uh, everybody, uh, there wasn't everybody else. That's the point. That you don't have an opposition. You don't test what people are saying. You don't test what these Democrats and ever Trumpers on the committee are insisting and concluding. The act also requires broad political consensus to decline to count electoral votes. 
It instructs that on January 6th, after a presidential election, the president of the Senate, the vice president, presides over a session of the two chambers. If a member of Congress wishes to object to counting a state's electoral votes, a member of the House and a member of the Senate must sign a written objection. The chambers separate for up to two hours of debate. If majorities of both chambers agree to the objection, the objection stands. If not, the votes are counted. Few objections were filed in accordance with the Electoral Count Act of the 20th century. But starting with George W. Bush's victory in 2000, Democrats contested election results after every Republican win. You didn't hear this today, did you? In January 2001, Representative Alcee Hastings of Florida objected to counting his state's electoral votes because of, quote, overwhelming evidence of official misconduct, deliberate fraud, and an attempt to suppress voter turnout, unquote. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas referred to the, quote, millions of Americans who've been disenfranchised by Florida's inaccurate vote count, unquote. Representative Maxine Waters of California characterized Florida's electoral votes as, quote, fraudulent, unquote. January 2005, in the wake of Mr. Bush's re-election, Democrats were more aggressive. Senator Barbara Boxer of California joined Representative Stephanie Tubbs-Jones of Ohio to lodge a formal objection to Ohio's electoral votes. The objection compelled Congress to spend two hours in debate, even though Mr. Bush won Ohio by more than 118,000 votes. Representative Barbara Lee of California claimed that, quote, the Democratic process was thwarted, unquote. Representative Gerald Nadler of New York said the right to vote was stolen, quote, unquote. Ms. Waters objected, too, dedicating her objection to the documentary filmmaker Michael Moore, whose 2004 movie Fahrenheit 9-11 painted a dark and at times factually debatable picture of the Bush presidency. The motion failed, but not before 31 members of the House and Ms. Boxer in the Senate voted to reject Ohio's electoral votes, effectively voting to disenfranchise the people of Ohio in the Electoral College. Remember that? Of course you don't remember that. Because nobody was at this hearing today to raise challenges. In January 2017, after Donald Trump's victory, Democrats in Congress once again challenged the election outcome. Representative Jim McGovern of Massachusetts cited, quote, the confirmed and illegal activities engaged in by the government of Russia, unquote, but it was actually his own party and candidate. Ms. Lee of California again argued that Michigan's electoral votes should be thrown up because, quote, people are horrified by the overwhelming evidence of Russian interference in our elections, unquote. She also cited, quote, the malfunction of 87 voting machines, unquote. The last time Congress threw out all of a state's electoral votes was 1873. In addition to rejecting a portion of the votes from Georgia, Congress rejected Louisiana's electoral votes because it concluded the state lacked a functioning government. It rejected Arkansas's electoral votes for similarly grave reasons. Rejecting a state's electoral vote is disfavored, except for extreme situations. Once again, I will ask you, if the second article of the Constitution is violated by a governor, by a board of elections, by a secretary of state, 
or by a Supreme Court, elected Supreme Court, a majority, all of the opposite party thwarting the electoral law put in place by the Republican legislature. What is that, Mr. Ludig? What is that, Mr. Jacobs? Why do they all ignore Pennsylvania? Every single one of them won't talk about Pennsylvania. Every single one of them won't talk about the federal constitution as I do, day in and day out, night after night. It's not like it's hidden. I've made it famous. Why won't they? And it goes on. Now... Celebrities urge GOP electors to deny Trump electoral college win in 2016. High-profile actors and musicians are joining calls to deny Donald Trump the 270 electoral votes he needs to clinch the presidency. They were all for it back then. Harvard constitutional law professor Lawrence Lessig and law firm Dory Tangray have offered to provide free legal counsel to Republican electors who break from their state's popular votes. Wow. Was that undue influence? Was that obstruction of justice? Was it? The President of the United States is not prohibited from participating in this system. It's not a crime. He's not prohibited from urging his own vice president to take actions different than his vice president is thinking of taking or decides to take. He has every right, whether you agree with the judgment or not, to ask that Republican state legislatures reconsider what took place in their states. Particularly a state like Pennsylvania, where over 60 members of the legislature, 60, took on their governor, who's a liberal Democrat, and they wanted to be involved in the selection of the electors. Again, whether you like it or not, is not the point. None of this was discussed. None of it today. In this choreographed, preposterous, one-sided, unchallenged event. None of it. There wasn't a Republican on this committee who could turn to Benny Thompson, the chairman, who challenged the certification of George Bush's presidential victory in 2004. It wasn't even a close call. Or Jamie Raskin in 2016, Mr. Constitution. Who challenged the certification of Trump? But they'll say, but no, 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 that's different. We have that right under federal law. But every citizen and elected official has a right to urge state legislatures, particularly if they think something was wrong, to consider taking action. That's not a coup. The votes haven't even occurred yet when it comes to Congress and the electors. But then they try to link Trump to the riot 
That is the violence that took place in the Capitol. I want to discuss that in a moment when we return. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Remember this one? CNN, six police officers were injured and 217 protesters arrested after a morning of peaceful protests and coordinated disruptions, disruptions of Donald Trump's inauguration ceremony gave way to ugly street clashes in downtown Washington. Oh, really? Do tell. Bursts of chaos erupted on 12th and K streets as black-clad anti-fascist protesters smashed storefronts and bus stops, hammered out the windows of a limousine, and eventually launched rocks and phalanx of police lined up in an eastbound crosswalk. Officers responded by launching smoke and flashbang devices, which could be heard from blocks away into the street to disperse the crowds. Anti-Trump protests broke out Friday in U.S. cities, including New York, Seattle, Dallas, Chicago, Portland. Authorities in Seattle say one person was in critical condition at a hospital with a gunshot wound. I'm all about, pe- I'm all about peaceful protesting, practicing nonviolence, but at the same time, I understand why people are frustrated, said one protester. Hours earlier, Lynn Sander Reed Powell, a 20-year-old student from New Mexico, joined in a Black Lives Matter-led blockade of an entrance onto the National Mall. I think Donald Trump is a fascist, and it's very easy for people, especially who are in pain, to slip into fascism. It's easy for people to feel like the individual has no power, and you're just one small little ant. So ultimately, all that matters is popular resistance. Remember all this, Mr. Producer? No, no, no. January 6th. January 6th. I'll be right back. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, Reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today 
at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. You know, ladies and gentlemen, here's the deal. I'm friends with Mike Pence, and I'm friends with Donald Trump. And I'm friends with many of the people who work for both of them. I've known Pence a long time. He's a very good man. Here's something else I know that did not come out in the hearing. I'm told from a very reliable and high source. I'm told that Michael Ludic, who is one of the quote-unquote star witnesses today, was never asked for advice by Vice President Pence, was never asked for counsel by Vice President Pence, and I am told never spoke to Vice President Pence. That's what I'm told. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but wouldn't it be interesting to find out? Because clearly, the impression was left. Otherwise, was it not, Mr. Producer? These people are shameless. Shameless. Of course, a president has the right to challenge an election. Not just in court, as Gore did, but he has a right to challenge an election at the state legislatures. More so than the courts. The courts aren't even mentioned in Article 2. The state legislatures are mentioned in Article 2. Period. One legal analyst said today it would have failed if they'd gone to the states. Legislature would have failed. Well, maybe so. So what's the problem? What's the problem? Gee, I guess Trump's the first guy to ever pick up the phone and tell lawyers, his own lawyers, hey, let's challenge what took place in that state. What the hell do you think happened in Florida in 2000 with all that litigation? They couldn't go to the late state legislature, Gore, because it was Republican-controlled. They couldn't go to the governor. He was Bush's brother. You may have heard of him, Jeb Bush. So they went to the Supreme Court of Florida, which was controlled by the prior governor's appointees, and that court was changing the election laws faster than Joe Biden changes his depends. only to be stopped by the U.S. Supreme Court. So what Trump did here, (coughs) if he did these things, again, I don't have first-hand knowledge, but if he did, it's not a coup, it's not a soft coup, it's not a criminal obstruction or a criminal fraud. It's none of those things. None of them. Well, he had to know he lost, his lawyers told him. Doesn't matter what his lawyers told him. Good, bad, or indifferent. That's not controlling. In fact, for most of us, 
The world doesn't know what our lawyers tell us. There's something called attorney-client privilege, or in this case, not just attorney-client privilege, but other forms of privilege. So what's the problem? And he didn't use the military. And he didn't use the Department of Homeland Security. And nobody was killed that day except a protester by a Capitol policeman. The information from which we're still not clear on. He offered the National Guard. He said go peacefully and patriotically. None of the rest matters. None of it. Well, he told his lawyer this and his lawyer spoke to that and somebody else said this. And he even said we should go ahead and hang Pence. So you actually think he wanted to see Pence hang from a telephone pole like Mussolini? Now how ridiculous is this? Pence deserves to be treated better than this, and Trump deserves to be treated better than this, quite frankly. They're both being used, really, as best as I can tell, without their consent, by the never-Trumpers and the Democrats. They hate Pence. They hate Trump. Bill Barr's doing a fan dance for them. Because he likes being celebrated rather than being accused of impeachable offenses. J. Michael Ludick. Well, somebody explain to me why he was there? Why was he there? Oh, because he's a renowned conservative judge. He sounded buffoonish, incoherent, and self-aggrandizing. With the long pauses, like, spit it out, Mike, as we used to call him. Yes, he clerked for... Chief Justice Berger was almost like a son to him two years in a row when I interned at the court and for Berger when I was in law school. And we were good friends and we've been good friends. Not anymore. I tell you, these guys, when the Clegg lights are on or the pressure's on, you, you really, that's, that's when you see the test of a person's character. It really is. It really is. I just told you of the riots that took place during Donald Trump's inauguration. Because they didn't want him inaugurated. How come we don't remember that date? How come that date doesn't live in infamy? How come that's not enshrined on our mental calendar? How come that's not something that Washington condemned? Did Nancy Pelosi ever put out a video condemning that? No! They talk about, well, Trump waited to put out a video. Pelosi's never put out a video. Schumer's never put out a video. While I'm at it, McConnell hasn't either. Where's their video? It's nowhere. And we know those were the stormtroops, the mob for the Democrat Party. That's their mob. It's a permanent mob, and they're violent as hell. Remember this one? June 2020, June 1, Secret Service agents wounded outside White House. Car bombs feared. Officials say Trump was taken to bunker. Holy mackerel! Can you imagine that? 
Pelosi must have put out a video condemning that. There must have been a hearing on this, at least one hearing. Nothing. Nothing in the Senate under Schumer. Nothing. Zero. As they went after the executive branch. The executive branch is the President of the United States. As they went after the President of the United States, they wanted to go in there and get him. They had to take him to the bunker. No, no, Mark, you don't understand. Almost 50 churches, pregnancy centers, and pro-life advocacy organizations have been attacked violently, firebombed, or there's been graffiti, all kinds of destruction, 50 attacks, 50. And one of the groups behind it, taking credit for it, is a group called Jane's Revenge. And they put out a letter that they intend to do more. Put the foot down on the gas pedal. So this is a domestic terrorist organization. Has the President of the United States said anything? Has the Attorney General of the United States said anything? Has Schumer said anything? Has Pelosi said anything? Do you realize the President of the United States hasn't even put out a word about the assassination attempt on a Supreme Court justice? Not one word. He didn't say tamp it down out there, boys and girls. No. The word is he's ready with a slew of executive orders. Talk about dictator to try and counter what the Supreme Court is likely to do. Jane's Revenge put out a letter today. Jane's Revenge. I hope Pence and his people understand that they're using him to get at Trump. Should Pence decide to run for president again, they will trash the hell out of him. They will try and ruin him and destroy him. And same with his staff. Same with this Mark Short. This Mark Short, who I've known over the years. I know when he used to carry Ali Norris' briefcase. My wife worked for him for a period of time, but that's beside the point. Beside the point. See, this committee will cling to anyone who will help them with their narrative. Doesn't matter. Anyone. Oh, there's Bark. Grab him. Oh, there's Short. Grab that guy. Oh, there's J. Michael Ludig. Well, what's he have to do with that? Nothing. Grab that guy. And the media just regurgitate because that's what they do. And of course, when we listen to them, we regurgitate, don't we, Mr. Producer? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever. And it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. 
These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. question ladies and gentlemen you know how I mull these things over during the breaks they're talking about the electoral counts the constitution even the 12th amendment is not particularly helpful the law that was passed in 1887 has ambiguity built into it Let me ask you this question. How about the post-counting of the electoral count? I mean, Donald Trump won the election in 2016, despite the objections from the likes of Jamie Raskin, who challenged the certification. But from that time forward, the Democrat Party tried to remove Donald Trump from the presidency, the legitimately elected president, right? From the time he was inaugurated, with two phony impeachments, with a phony criminal investigation, and in the case of the criminal investigation, it was built on Russia collusion, which was used during the campaign and after the campaign as he was president, to try and force him out of office. Is that not reversing an election? And it's the same party. Except in that case, the Department of Justice worked with them. In that case, the FBI worked with them. In that case, the media worked with them. And we know Russia collusion was a fraud. For two and a half years, it was used to try and cripple the Trump presidency get him indicted with a special prosecutor, which I don't believe you can indict a sitting president, but that's beside the point. So that said, nobody ever said that was an effort on the left or the media. Nobody ever said that was an, that was an effort to reverse the course of an election, but it was. So to repeat, Information that's been provided to me by a person who would know. The star witness today, certainly one of them, was former federal judge J. Michael Ludig. His testimony was actually quite bizarre. His presentation was even more bizarre. But that said, I am told that he was never asked for advice or counsel by former Vice President Pence. And in fact, had never spoken to Vice President Pence at the time. So what's he doing? If this is accurate, and somebody, all all they need to do is ask Mr. Ludig, the Honorable Mr. Ludig, um, if this is accurate, what was the point? In fact, what's the point of any of this? 
again, I hadn't watched it before, the clips and so, but I spent about 40 minutes watching it, and I was shocked at how this is choreographed. With the members reading from teleprompters, with video sort of spliced into it, cherry-picked deposition video. You know, these people are deposed for hours at a time. You see three, four minutes. The cherry-picked witnesses, literally nobody at the witness table to challenge the legal scenarios and arguments, to challenge the factual arguments. I mean, John Eastman. They know he can't testify in front of this committee because of a threat now. A threat to a lawyer because he gave advice to the President of the United States that he could be charged with something. They're trying to take his law license away. But the contention that a president is not free to try and persuade a state legislature to reverse course when in fact the governor who certifies the electors is of the opposite party and he does so with he and a cabal of Supreme Court elected justices, just like the ones in Florida, changed the election process. And they always have an answer. That wouldn't have changed the outcome in Pennsylvania. Okay, first of all, how do they know? How do they know? Secondly, at least three members of the United States Supreme Court wanted to take up that case. You need four. And third, let's say they're right. You still need to fix the process so it doesn't happen again. Just like we were waiting for how many weeks before we knew the, the result of the Senate election in Pennsylvania and the Republican primary. That has never happened in Pennsylvania before. It's all these changes made. And Pennsylvania's constitution is one of the strictest in the nation, as I've explained. I'm probably the only person who's read it, Mr. Producer. You have to amend the Constitution if you're going to change the election laws in Pennsylvania. You can't do it by judicial or executive fiat. You can't even do it just by the state legislature voting on a law. It requires a supermajority of the state legislature twice, and in between that it requires the popular vote of the public. That didn't happen. I'll be on Hannity tonight, ladies and gentlemen, 9.25 p.m. Eastern Time. 9.25 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. More on the economy when we return. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. Violence. Violence. 
Nancy Pelosi has not denounced this group that is violent. Jane's Revenge. Why not? Because she's full of it. That's why. We're all well aware of what's going on around here. And that's why I won't be watching that January 6th thing again. I just was curious to see how it was going. It is, it is a travesty. It's a joke. And those legal analysts there who asked to comment afterwards, they really ought to point that out. Uh, but, uh, but unlikely. In fact, very unlikely. All right, let's look at the economy. How's it going, kids? CBS News, the U.S. stock market route that has put U.S. equities in a bear market isn't just reducing the net worth of billionaires. It's also taking a toll on Americans' retirement savings, wiping out trillions of dollars in value. You already know this, don't you? So where is the congressional hearing on this? Where is the congressional hearing on this? The sell-off has erased nearly $3 trillion from U.S. retirement accounts, according to Alicia Munell, director of the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College. By her calculations, 401k plan participants have lost about $1.4 trillion from their accounts since the end of 2021. People with IRAs, most of which are 401k rollovers, have lost $2 trillion this year. The year's not even over. It's only halfway over. This year's stock slump is the most severe market downturn since March of 2020 when COVID erupted in the U.S. Historically, 401k investments take about two years after market decline of this size to regain their previous value. Uh, the market decline is not over. The market decline is not over. For many low-income people, the growing popularity of so-called target date funds has also made retirement savings more risky, Munell noted. Left to their own devices, richer investors tend to choose riskier assets like stocks. However, due in part to automated retirement tools, the lowest paid participants today are slightly more likely to have money in stocks, according to Vanguard data that she looked at. Now, among workers with 401ks, those with annual incomes under 30000 a year had 81% of the retirement fund in stocks, while for those making over 150 at 76%. All right, close enough. So now they're trying to turn it into a uh, class warfare battle. Well, it is. It is the government versus us. The government versus us. That's what's going on. And get ready for high costs of food. Now we're seeing article after article. President of the Farmers Association. Epic times. As the world comes out of two years of pandemic lockdowns and restrictions. Inflation continues to rise and affect U.S. energy and food prices. Family farms that make up the majority of U.S. food suppliers are having difficulty meeting their operating costs with prices of seeds, fertilizer, and gas doubling and tripling. Now, this is going to get ugly. This is going to get bad. President of the National Black Farmers Association, John Boyd Jr., is urging the Biden administration to put an emergency loan fund in place 
to help family farmers with operating costs. Otherwise, he warns an additional high cost of food, there will be food shortages. America, get ready for the high cost of food and hunker down, he told Epic TV's Facts Matter program. Family farmers are still the number one producer for corn, wheat, and soybeans. He said we have to do all we can to make sure that farmers get those crops in the ground and have the resources readily available at the time of planting and harvesting. Now, here's the thing. Small and mid-sized family farms are 88% of U.S. food production. It's not a matter of another government program. Ladies and gentlemen, Biden will not take his hands off the throat of the oil industry. I don't care what they say about the oil industry. I know they deflect and they divert. It's the same oil industry that was producing diesel and and regular gasoline and premium gasoline before at an affordable level. It's not due to Ukraine and Russia. It's not due to any of that. We were energy independent. Energy independent. We were exporting fuel. They went to war against the energy industry, and the energy industry is more than ExxonMobil. There are many companies, small, medium, large, that produce all kinds of stuff. He went to war with them, and he won. They won. And he's right. Now is the time that crops are being planted. Now. So whatever's done now will affect what happens at the end of the summer and early fall. When it is time to harvest. Boyd said the cost of operating his farm is doubled. Some cases tripled, with fertilizer now costing $1,050, up from just $400 in 2021. How did that happen? We know how it happened. And the costs of running the farm have to be paid up front, Boyd said. When that diesel truck rolls up to my farm, I have to be able to write a check for the diesel fuel. I have to be able to pay for the fertilizer. I have to be able to pay for the seed. According to the USDA estimates from 2021, fertilizer is a key element in the production of wheat, soy, and corn, of course. It amounts to an average of 36% of a farmer's operating costs when when they're planting corn, 35% for wheat. Okay, it's up 128%. 128%. Now, this isn't the first farmer, the first farmer association that is warning us that there is a huge problem. Food is not political, ladies and gentlemen. It knows no party. And we shouldn't take our food supplies for granted because the process of production, Boyd said, is being disrupted, if not immediately remedied, he says, with federal aid, will lead to food shortages. He said the U.S. leads in producing the crops of wheat, soy, and corn, and many other commodities that these crops are used to make are also in jeopardy. And he's talking about the impact also on other parts of the food industry, including poultry and meat production. Because guess what? Chickens and the others, they eat this stuff. Boy, oh boy. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's election season and it's important we win these important seats. The Democrat Party is interfering in a lot of these Republican primaries. It's interesting. We mentioned this several weeks ago. When it came to Lauren Boebert in, uh, in uh, Colorado, I know others are saying that they're interfering in all these elections, and there was an important piece about how they were interfering in the Georgia elections. Now, I don't know if they're interfering in the New York Republican elections, but I can tell you I strongly support Lee Zeldin. I've endorsed Lee Zeldin, and Lee Zeldin is with us right now. Lee, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. It's really good to be back with you, Mark. How's it looking out there for governor of New York? It's looking really good. I am tired of watching Republicans on their heels and losing in places like Georgia. I feel like 2022 presents an opportunity to see Democrats on their heels and losing in places like New York. And one-party rule in Albany, self-described socialists with outsized power here, a lot of AOC's friends now elected into the state legislature and we have a really good opportunity to I mean, as long as we lean into it work hard take nothing for granted i feel very good about our chances in november now how about the republican primary how's that going it's tuesday june 28th it's coming up in 12 days the republican party primary there was a new independent poll that just came out uh, it was in the hill a couple of local outlets, PIX11, based out of uh, New York City and Emerson College. So they just came out with a poll a couple days back. They had us with an almost 20-point lead in the Republican primary. It's a four-way primary, uh, and we're we're working hard. I, I, I'm all over the state all day, every day, uh, and we're getting a great response. Uh, we just have to make sure that everybody shows up. I mean, every single re- Republican who is out there listening, if you're in New York, if you're somewhere else and you know Republicans who live in New York, it's a weird week here because it's the week after school lets out. It's the week before July 4th, and people aren't really used to voting in June primaries anyway. So what we don't want is for that person who's a supporter who might even have one of our signs on their front yard to be 1,000% supportive of our effort, but let this election go by and not even realize there was a primary on the 20s. How's the Republican Party of New York treating you? Or are they not really involved? They've been, 
No, they've been great. Uh, There are are 62 counties in this state, and I would say that you can't paint them all with one broad brush. I mean, some of these counties are really well organized, great spirit, great organization. They're out hitting doors, having a lot of conversations, and I am... I have nothing but praise for how hard they're working. There are other counties that are not as well organized. Uh, They aren't being helpful, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, Maybe there's a need for a change of leadership in some places. So that's a longer-term project. But as far as uh, looking at the landscape right now, uh, we have a, a great opportunity to have help from some of these amazing organizations that they, they have the spirit. They're working with the grassroots. It's good chemistry, and, and you know, they're hitting the doors with passion. Uh, it's really cool to see, and uh, it's certainly a force multiplier. I'm a military guy, and I, I see the power. It's not called force addition. It's called force multiplication. When people are out there helping to get the message out, it has a multiplier effect. And we're seeing that in some of our biggest and most important counties in the state. Now, Lee Zeldin, for New York and the rest of the country, why does it matter that you win the governorship and take it away from the current appointed governor? First off, I think it helps our country to have a strong New York. I mean, we have the financial capital of the world, even though a lot of uh, companies are now relocating. They're going down to where Ron DeSantis is in Florida. They're heading to North Carolina. They're going to Texas. Uh, but we, this is an area and a state that through the years, the decades, the generations have, has, have served as a leader uh, where something bold and great in in being a shining example of freedom and liberty and and the United States of America, but something's happened over the course of the last few decades, and especially over the course of the last few years, with one party rule. This is now the example of where you see cashless bail get implemented in New York City. Non-citizen voting is starting November of 2023. Uh, we're seeing a statewide ban right now on the safe extraction of natural gas for their next act. They want to ban all gas hookups on new construction statewide. The governor just uh, in the last day or two extended on her own her COVID emergency powers without permission from the legislature with the power, you know, whereas heretofore she grants herself uh, and with, uh, with that power that she gives herself, they're able to spend money that they wouldn't otherwise be able to spend. They can modify uh, elections if they want to. It's about ruling the people. And, and, and Americans don't want to be ruled by government. We want to be in charge of government. But Kathy Hochul said uh, in, in her best argument to tell people to go out and get the COVID shot, she asked New Yorkers, she called on New Yorkers to be her apostles. That's not why you would go out and get it. It's not to serve oh, Tony Fauci. It's not to serve Kathy Hochul. So, yeah, I think it's high stakes here in being the example of freedom once again, which right now it's quite the opposite. And frankly, if New York doesn't turn things around, then people are going to continue to leave New York. New York is being depopulated. People are leaving. Businesses are leaving. They don't want to deal with the problems anymore. And you're right, from a national perspective, a strong New York is 
is very helpful to this country. So I assume you're going to institute policies that are going to try and keep people here and lure people back, right? Big time. If you were to reverse the ban on the safe extraction of natural gas, if you approve new pipeline applications, you create jobs, you generate revenue, you revitalize communities, and you are able to help enact the largest tax cut in the history of the state. We have to cut taxes across the board. Uh, We also have to bring spending under control. There was a new fund that they created uh, just over a year ago, multi-billion dollar, what they called excluded workers fund, multi-billion for people who aren't even in the country legally, and you have New Yorkers struggling to make ends meet, and they're seeing their money coming out of their pocket to go to people who are being incentivized and rewarded for breaking the law. Uh, So I feel like there's an opportunity here taking over this process with the governor of New York has outsized power as it relates to the budget process to bring spending under control, to be able to cut taxes, to be able to pursue industry and growth and jobs to create opportunity because there are seniors fleeing because they can't afford to stay. There are young families fleeing because they don't want to have their first kid in the basement of mom and dad's house. And by the way, there are wealthy people who are fleeing too, who have the ability to pay what is now the highest income tax rate in the entire country. Plus there's an estate tax But when they look at Florida and Ron DeSantis, they scratch their head and say, you know what, I'm going to call my accountant, I'm going to call my attorney, because all my friends and others have left for Florida. Maybe instead of paying more in income tax to New York, maybe I should reduce my income tax rate in New York to zero by just moving down to Florida. Mm -hmm. Well, look, I've moved to Florida. And uh, one of the reasons was exactly what you're talking about, because Virginia was out of control until they elected this Glenn Youngkin, who's been done a fabulous job. And you really do have a shot if you win the Republican primary. And I hope you do. I've strongly endorsed you. You really have a shot because in that last election round, all kinds of things were happening in the Northeast, including in some of these elections in New York. If you'll hold on. Uh, For a brief moment, uh, Lee, I'd like to carry over the bottom of the hour. Absolutely. You know, it's not so hard to win in a bright red apple state. It's much harder to win in a purple state, and it's incredibly more difficult to win in a blue state because the bureaucracy, the politics, the media, the whole system is set up to enshrine itself. And that's what we're trying to do in New York and some of these other states. That's why this is a huge, huge election. I'll be right back. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest. I was nervous at first, thinking... Well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand, the 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. That's L-E-V-I-N podcast and save 50% off your first month. 
You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Welcome back, America. I'm Mark Levin on with the Republican candidate in the Republican primary for governor of New York. You know, Lee Zeldin. It's important we make progress in blue states. I think people were thrilled when the Republicans took back Virginia. And then you saw 54% of the Hispanic vote went to the Republicans. The suburban vote, women in particular, had returned to the Republicans. We have to take it to them if we're going to get our country back. We have to take it to them if we're going to get our economy back. We have to take it to them if we're going to preserve our traditions and faith and so forth and so on. So it's important, much like a military operation without all the violence, but political operations that we not just play defense, but we go into these blue states with the intention of winning. That's why you're trying to do this, and that's why I think it's important, right? Oh, absolutely. And there are people who might even identify as a Democrat who is disenfranchised. They feel like their party has left them. They prioritize maybe their son and daughter's education more than they do about party loyalty to the Democrats. They uh, have strong beliefs as it relates to COVID mandates that transcends party loyalty. They're struggling to make ends meet. I've seen it with the Asian-American community in New York City. When they see one of their own pushed in front of an oncoming subway car and killed, stabbed to death in their apartment in lower Manhattan, beaten to death with a hammer on New York City streets, they see cashless bail getting passed in Albany, liberal Soros-funded district attorneys like Alvin Bragg getting elected and refusing to enforce the law. That Asian-American voter who maybe has always voted Democrat that whole community is coming together, and they're deciding that they have had enough and the Democrats are not fighting for them. In Brooklyn, where in the span of one week, just a few weeks ago, we saw three different anti-Semitic assaults on Jews. I've heard it from the Sikh community, where I'm hearing about their people getting attacked as well. The raw, violent hate, and you don't have elected officials standing up and doing something about it, especially when it doesn't have anything at all to do with guns. It seems like the only crime that they want to talk about is a crime committed with a gun, but we have people getting harmed, even killed, with hands, with hammers, with knives, and they don't want to talk about any of it. So I feel like if we are on offense, unapologetically defending conservative principles, explaining to these voters how we will reverse the attack on their wallets, their safety, their freedom, their kids' education, I feel like there are disenfranchised Democrats who want to vote for us. I feel like there are people who don't identify as Republicans or Democrats who right now realize that we need balance and common sense to restore to government. Uh, They don't relate to AOC telling uh, Amazon that uh, their 25,000 good-paying jobs should go to Virginia instead of coming to Queens. They don't identify with a moratorium that was just placed a few weeks ago on crypto. There's all, I mean, because of their their climate change agenda. So uh, there was a a Williams pipeline that was going to come bring natural gas into New York City. AOC, Jumani Williams, Bill de Blasio and their friends, they block it. And then as a result, Con Ed, National Grid, and then the New York City Council all say, no more hookups 
to uh, natural gas at all anywhere inside of New York City. And as I mentioned earlier, now they want to bring it statewide. So be confident, be on offense. Don't try to get votes from Democrats by acting like Democrats. It's a moment to get votes from Democrats and independents by being proud, principled conservatives. That's so true. And we just saw that in that district in Texas, didn't we? We just saw that a, a, a woman born in Mexico who became a citizen in the United States, married a Border Patrol agent. Uh, she ran basically on a Trump agenda, conservative agenda. She wasn't apologetic about it. She was explaining what was going on. People can see what's going on with the economy. They're not blaming Putin. There's a lot to blame Putin for, by the way, but not that. And, um, and look at her win. It wasn't even close in a district that hasn't gone Republican in 151 years. That's why... I feel if you're the Republican nominee, there's a lot of hope that we're going to start making headway in states like New York. We'll start making headway in states like New Jersey, Illinois. In other words, take it to them and don't be afraid to take it to them. I think that's very possible in your case. While everybody was talking about what was going on in Virginia, because that was the big national gubernatorial race in New York, November 2nd of last year, we were flipping all sorts of county executive positions, mm-hmm. district attorney positions, all from blue to red, city council, town supervisors, county legislatures. These are all local races that were on the ballot, but all across Long Island, New York City, and other parts of upstate around the state of New York, all going from blue to red. Uh, so I saw what was happening in Virginia taking place here, people getting active in their, in their kids' education, uh, so the issues are very similar to what we're seeing elsewhere. Uh, I The last time I saw a general election poll that we've done internally, that was in March, March 8th to March 10th. I was up a point and a half then, seven months before the election, over Kathy Hochul, who's sitting in the governor's seat. At the same time, there was an outside poll that was done that said I was only down four. We were told that Kathy Hochul's internal polling at that time had me beating her then. And there was another poll that wasn't released publicly that had me only down three. This was seven months before the election. And mm-hmm. and I, while there's been focus on the primary, I feel like it's only gotten better since then as far as the general. But you, And I heard you say this firsthand when we were together uh, at an event many months ago. This isn't about jumping on some surfboard and trying to ride in a wave. All day, every day, everybody all in everywhere is the only way to win, especially when we're talking about states that have more Democrats than Republicans. Well, I feel you can do this, Lee Zelvin. Get the Republican nomination first, June 28th. If people want to help you, where do they go? ZeldinForNewYork.com, Z-E-L-D-I-N-F-O-R, New York, all spelled out. I'm also across social media platforms as well, so to join the conversation there. If you're in New York, get the word out. In person, early voting starts June 18th, goes June 18th to June 26th. And then, of course, Tuesday, June 28th, uh, that's an important day for us to not only win, but to win big, to crush it. So every vote matters because it only increases the amount of the margin over whoever finishes in second. All right. It's Lee Zeldin. Zeldin for New York.com. Zeldin, Z-E-L-D-I-N for New York.com on all my social platforms. Good luck to you, my friend. Uh, It's great to be with you again, Mark. Take care. You too. He's so good. He's so good.
that he would be really an outstanding governor. And this current governor, Mr. Producer, you live under her reign. What what a disaster this Hochul is. Just a complete phony. She's sort of a lightweight uh, Cuomo. Now, I know everyone's not from New York any more than any, everyone's from Nevada. Our buddy uh, Adam Laxalt won there. Any more than any, everyone's from Ohio or everyone's from uh, Alabama. But look, folks, uh, we got to win all these races, even these gubernatorial races. You see how important they are. We've got to send a message like we've never sent before. And by the way, also to the Republican Party. This is why I will continue to support Mo Brooks in Alabama. He's the conservative. It's that simple. It's that simple. The, the woman he's running against, Britt, she's got $7 million, most of it from outside the state, most of it from rhinos, most of it from billionaires who Mitch McConnell has leaned on. So I would encourage you folks in Alabama, stick with Mo Brooks. Stick with him. You won't be doing harm or defying anybody. Just stick with Mo Brooks. He's the conservative. I call him as I see him. I've been doing this a long, long time. I remember when we had some of our Tea Party candidates. Some won, some lost. They still are furious. McConnell, the other rhinos. I even, I think I hear uh, from time to time, uh, what is the architect's name? I can't remember his name right now. You know who I mean? Oh, for crying out loud. How can we not remember his name? Whose name shall not be spoken. Let's put it that way. Anyway, um, they're still upset at some of the nominees in these other states. Like you're supposed to win every single seat. They never do. They never have. They can't win without us. Look at what happened in Virginia. That's not because of McConnell or the RNC or anybody else. That's because of you, the grassroots. You've had enough. I think you took out the governor in New Jersey, quite frankly, but the incomes what? Hudson County, Mr. Producer. There it comes. They barely won, supposedly. Barely. And then as uh, Lee Zeldin was talking about all these victories in New York... And they were also in other parts, Democrat parts of Texas, Colorado. It was across the country. I think it'll even be worse now for the Democrats. Parents, they haven't forgotten. They know what's going on still. They know how they're hated by the people who are supposed to serve them and their children. What a disaster. And not just parents. All of us know what's going on with gasoline. The Democrat Party, they march in line. They click their heels. They didn't complain when Biden went to war with the energy uh, industry. And now we have the circumstances from that, that they wanted. Crime is through the roof, particularly in blue states. Now, I say, if you're happy with what's going on, you should vote Democrat. But if you've had enough because you're sensible and you have an IQ over 100 then you don't vote Democrat. You vote Republican. And in New York, watch what the conservative party does, too. That's a fantastic party. I'm all behind it 100%. I'll be right back. Lovin.
Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Well, Ann Coulter, I won't say she's back. She's never really been here. Trashing Dinesh D'Souza's movie. Oh, she's so courageous and brave. Whack job. And your buddy Drudge over at the Drudge Report. I, I see he's, he's really digesting and regurgitating the January 6th stuff. I remember when Drudge was sort of an outlaw. When he wasn't just repetition for corrupt big media, which is what he is today, but he was really a breath of fresh air, breaking news, doing things differently. There he is trashing Ginny Thomas, day in and day out, trashing Elon Musk. Of course, these are two people he should be really, you would think, admiring because they stand out from the rest. But not anymore. This January 6th Stalinist committee, he can't get enough of it. Trashing Trump, trashing Eastman. Informants said Proud Boys would have killed him, meaning uh, Pence, I suppose, and yet they haven't been charged with attempted murder. I see nothing on his site, nothing about the attempted murder against the Supreme Court justice today. There's nothing on his site today. I see nothing on his site today, maybe because it's just become unreadable, about this this group, uh, Jane something or other, Jane's Revenge. Almost nothing about that. So uh, he's gone to the dark side, but he's been over there. That's why you don't go there. You go to the Bongino Report, or you go to Instagram, or you go, you go to Breitbart, you go to Blaze Media, you go to the Daily Wire, the Daily Caller, you go to Legal Insurrection, you go to a thousand other places. You have choices now. Mm-hmm. I told you that this Soros-funded group and this Castro-funded group, Castro being on the board of Cumulus, and all these leftists had pulled together some $80 million to put a Soros clone and a Obama clone in charge of the purchase of 10 radio stations. Ultra-left radio stations, maybe with $60 million. In any event, the purpose to try and stem the move of 
Hispanic Americans more and more toward the Republican Party? Well, here's a headline, (coughs) excuse me, from Fox. Soros takeover, outrage at Miami's anti-communism Radio Mambi could be controlled by Obama, Clinton staffers. Radio Mambi, which is historically linked to the Cuban exile community and offers an anti-communism view, would be controlled by a group of leftists partially funded by Soros, who, as you know, is a radical left billionaire, if the $60 million deal is approved by the FCC. Media Research Center Director of MRC Latino, Jorge Bonilla, blasted the move as a power grab by the left. So they're trying to take this station, which is conservative and anti-communist, and give it to the leftist communists. That's what they're trying to do. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution. Against all freedom-loving Americans. So... You need to read The War on Cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. This War on Cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 630-1492 or visit SwissAmerica.com. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit fastgrowingtrees.com for details. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. You want to know why Biden and Harris, Pelosi, Newsom, 
Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, Andy Bashir, the governor of Kentucky, uh, the North Carolina governor, Roy Cooper, New Jersey governor, Phil Murphy, and on and on, Pritzker, uh, and so many more. You know why they support the teachers' unions and oppose efforts to push critical race theory, sexuality, the trans movement out of the classroom, and all the rest of it? Because none of them have sent their kids to the public school system. Did you know this, Mr. Producer? None of them. As Fox reports, President Biden attended the Archmere Academy, a posh Roman Catholic prep school in Claymont, Delaware, and he sent both his sons, Bo and Hunter Biden, to attend the same private school that currently charges $31,000 a year. Biden, whose 2020 presidential campaign was largely funded by the teachers' unions, repeatedly voiced opposition to private school vouchers on the campaign trail, saying it would destroy the public school system. And he has said that students should have a choice among public schools, but charter schools and public magnet schools, but that public money should not be used to fund private school tuition. And they are in the midst of destroying all those private options. Kamala Harris has two stepchildren with husband Doug Emhoff. Both kids attended the Wildwood School in L.A., a private school that currently costs $45,000 a year. The NEA hailed Harris in 2020 after she was announced as Biden's running mate, calling the Biden-Harris ticket the dream ticket for the public school system. She investigates for-profit charters, they said, and votes against vouchers, the NEA gushed in a news release at the time. As Senator Harris voted against Betsy DeVos's confirmation as Education Secretary in 2017, citing DeVos's support for private school vouchers as the reason. Nancy Pelosi attended the Institute of Notre Dame, a private all-girls Catholic high school in Baltimore, and she revealed in her 2008 memoir, Know Your Power, A Message to America's Daughters, that she sent Paul Jr., her only son of five children, to attend Episcopal High School, an elite Virginia boarding school that currently costs $65,000 a year. Pelosi praised her son's school for playing an important part in her son's life, and for providing an excellent education during a 2003 speech we accept, in which she accepted the school's Alan C. Phillips Integrity in Action Award. But Pelosi strongly opposes private school choice and has repeatedly voted against vouchers and scholarship programs for low-income children to attend private school. Private school vouchers are a bad idea, she said in a release in 2008. Opposing Republican efforts to, quote, drain much-needed money away from cash-strapped public schools. In fact, in 2015, she voted against the Scholarships for Opportunity and Results, or the the SOAR Reauthorization Act, which provided private vouchers for low-income children in Washington, D.C. Obama opposed it, too. And Obama sent his kids to very expensive private schools. Newsom of California whose candidacy and recall fight was largely funded by the teachers' unions, attended a private school in San Francisco for several years during his early education. He also outraged parents in October 2020 when he sent his four kids back to in-person learning at a private school in Sacramento County, 
while public schools in the county remain closed to the COVID-19 pandemic. He had previously ordered all schools, including private, to close on April 1, 2020 for the rest of the school year. He was later sued over the private school closures, and in a win for school advocates more than a year later, the Ninth Circuit ruled in July 2021 that the governor violated the fundamental right of parents to control their children's education and to choose their children's educational forum. He's campaigned against private school choice when he was running for governor in 2018, promising the California Teachers Association at that time he'd fight the Trump administration's effort to, quote, privatize our public school system. Vouchers are for-profit charter schools have no place in this state, he declared. And it goes on. Elizabeth Warren sent her son, Alexander Warren, to the Kirby Hall School, a private prep school in Austin, Texas where the current tuition is about $20,000. When pro-school choice advocates confronted Warren at the time about her son's schooling, she quickly responded, no, my child went to public school. She's such a disgusting liar. Her campaign later spun her answer by saying her son went to public school until fifth grade. Yes. Warren being indigenous, of course. She has strongly opposed all private school choice measures throughout her career, including vouchers and tuition tax credits. She's called for banning for-profit, ban them, for-profit school charters, ending federal funding for the expansion of public charter schools. She's for the people, don't you know? Like Mal was. She said efforts to expand the footprint of charter schools, often without ensuring that charters are subject to the same transparency requirements and safeguards as traditional public So, Oh, those safeguards in Loudoun County, those really worked. Strain the resources of school districts. Listen, we don't exist for school districts. Our children aren't born for school districts. We don't pay taxes for school districts. They're supposed to be working for us. The unions are supposed to be working for us. The faculty. The administrators. The buildings are for us. We don't exist for them. We should stop the diversion of public funds from traditional public schools. The problem is they're not traditional. She opposes vouchers, tuition tax credits. Who do you think gets tuition tax credits? It's the poor. Who do you think gets vouchers? It's the poor. We should fight back against privatization, corporatization, and profiteering in our nation's schools. What a low-IQ, pathetic Marxist. Then there's Beto O'Rourke. He's a candidate right now for governor of Texas, God forbid. He attended the Woodbury Forest School, a private all-male boarding school located in Woodbury Forest, Virginia, where tuition currently costs around $62,000 a year. 2019, during his failed 2020 presidential bid, O'Rourke promised not to allow, quote, a single public tax dollar to be taken out of our public school classrooms, turned into vouchers, and sent to private schools, unquote. See the class warfare crap? They all went to private or parochial schools and sent their kids there. And then they act like they're the great defenders of the public school system. That's why they don't care what happens in these schools. They are bought and paid for by the teachers' unions. Them and the trial lawyers are the biggest funders and supporters of the Democrat Party. 
In 2019, during his failed 2020 campaign, not a single penny said Beto opposes private school vouchers. His priority will be to increase support for our public school system. Not mine. My priority now is to start defunding them so more and more people can send their kids to an alternative school or teach them themselves. O'Rourke, who's looking to unseat Texas Republican Greg Abbott this November, has been recently vocal against the governor's private school choice proposals. Abbott is for defunding our public schools, he said. You moron. So the liberal governor of Kentucky, Bashir, he declared all charter schools, public and private, unconstitutional. He sent both of his kids to a private elementary school in Louisville. Unbelievable. And when the former governor, Bevin, brought this up during a 2019 debate, Bashir accused then-governor, you're attacking my kids. He vetoed a bill establishing education opportunity accounts in Kentucky, and that would have provided school tuition for low-income and middle-income families. Low life. Another governor, Roy Cooper, North Carolina, Sent his daughter Natalie to St. Mary's School, private Episcopal prep school in Raleigh, sixty-two thousand a year. He opposes private school vouchers, saying in a twenty seventeen statement, rated only half true by political fact, but politifact is a joke. I'm very concerned and I have opposed vouchers because of the lack of accountability. We really don't know what these schools are doing or how they are performing. Well, that's what he said, whether politifact wants to admit it or not. <laughs> And he has sought to eliminate the state's Opportunity Scholarship Program for lower and middle income students. Want to hear more, Mr. Producer? They send all these kids to private and parochial schools. And then they want to fight everybody. This is this, if this information could get down into the streets. New Jersey Democrat Governor Phil Murphy sent all four of his kids to Rumson Country Day School, a private school in Rumson. Two of his kids attended the Phillips Academy Private Prep School, big deal that school, in Andover, Massachusetts, where the real average cost to attend is currently $85,000. This 2017 gubernatorial bid, he received more donations from teachers' unions than any other interest group. And he campaigned on taking a timeout on charter school applications. Pritzker, another billionaire, he attended the Milton Academy, private boarding school in Milton, Massachusetts. They charge $65,000 a year. He sent both of his kids to attend Chicago private schools at Francis W. Parker School and the Latin School of Chicago. When he was confronted, as related to his opposition to private school during his 2018 campaign, he said, both of my kids go to private school near our home, and that actually was the major reason that we made that decision, was that the schools were very close to where we live. But I'm a believer in public schools, that they're maybe the most important thing we can provide for our children. You know how they go on. And he's opposed private school vouchers, charter school expansion. He wants to eliminate a tax credit scholarship for low-income students called Invest in Kids. I've got more. Elaine Loria, Democrat, Virginia, who pretends to be a moderate. Elaine Loria, she attended a private school near Birmingham, Alabama, sent her daughter to a private school in Virginia. 
even served as president of Tidewater Montessori High School, now defunct private school, and she opposes school choice. Debbie Wasserman Schultz sent her kids to Sagmont, a small private school in Broward. She opposes private school vouchers and for-profit charter schools. And it goes on, folks. The two largest teachers' unions in the country almost exclusively donate to the Democrat campaigns. And so far in 2022, 98.6% of campaign contributions from the NEA have gone to Democrats. 99.95% of campaign contributions from the American Federation of Teachers have gone to Democrats, according to the Center for Responsive Politics. That's what they've done. The ruling class has no class whatsoever. So they'll destroy your classrooms. They'll do whatever the teachers' unions tell them, whether it's masks or vaccines, closures, CRT. It's a big F you. These people making the decision do not have to experience what you do and your children do. Many of you are looking for alternatives. They just buy them. What if you don't have the money to buy an alternative? This is a great civil rights issue. A great civil rights issue. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. How about a little good news? Harry Anton is the data guy at CNN, the Constipated News Network. Does Liz Cheney have a chance to win in the Republican primary in uh, Wyoming? Cut 18, go. Cheney, if you go over to Wyoming, look at her disapproval rating. Uh, and essentially what you see is that it has doubled, more than doubled, gone up by 40 points from before she voted to impeach Donald Trump to after voting to impeach Donald Trump. That's amazing. That is amazing. It, she is very much unpopular in the state. And if you look at the betting odds, whether or not she'll win re-election, only about a 10% chance that she will win re-election according to the betting markets wow. at this point. I mean, given the political dynasty she's from, the roots in, in the state, I mean, that's incredible. It's incredibly low. It just shows the power of Trump. And does this, I mean, is that an indication of how prevalent those beliefs are, the, the beliefs uh, on the, the, the big lie are in the Republican Party? Absolutely. The vast majority of Republicans believe this garbage that is the big lie. We've seen it in poll after poll after poll. More than 60 percent believe that the election was a fraud, which obviously we know is not the case. And obviously. if you look at the elections that have been held so far this year, who are the GOP nominating? They are nominating a ton of people who try to undermine the 2020 election, both for Congress and in state legislature. Really? What about all the people who undermined the country with Russia collusion? This is what I mean. This is like sick. But here's David Axelrod, who as a commentator on CNN is far more objective than many of the others. Cut 19, go. Honestly, uh, every time she speaks at these hearings, she's probably making her task even more difficult. And I think the one hope they have is that uh, Democrats uh, re-register and cross over in, in, in uh, record numbers to to support her. But honestly, I think, you know, you heard Harry's uh, over-caffeinated analysis, but accurate one. Uh, they, 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 uh, 
they uh, you know she she is in a she's in a world of hurt and nobody no sensible person in politics would bet on her renomination at this point mm-hmm you watch I hope I'm wrong I don't really like making predictions she's gonna make a run for the presidency not that she can win but her ego is bigger than one can imagine her self-righteousness, her praise by the left, by the speaker, by the John Kennedy Library, by the Washington Compost, the New York Slimes, by the Sunday show. She's never had it so good. The same people who hated her father, hated her family, tried to destroy them. Now they're her friend. And all the people who loved her father, supported her father, and defended her when she was running for the Senate in a Republican primary against an incumbent. All stabbed in the back. Liz Cheney is for Liz Cheney. That's the bottom line. And I think the people of Wyoming are on to her. Now, might the Democrats try and nominate her? Absolutely. They've been doing it all over the country. But that could backfire on them, too. I have a special surprise for you after the bottom of the hour. I can't tell you what it is yet because that would screw it up. My wife says I can't keep secrets. It's true. Can't keep secrets. But I'll keep this one. Stick with me after the bottom of the hour. I'll be right back. The Mark Lofen Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. You know what's not a problem for kids who are seeking a good education? Drag queens, okay? Can we say this? Drag queens, not only are they not hurting our kids, drag queens make everything better. Drag queens are fun. Drag queens are entertainment. Um, and you know what? Now, I know that's difficult to hear, so I will interpret. This is the Attorney General of Michigan, Dana Nessel, at a speech yesterday. And I quote her, and she's not joking. You know what's not a problem for kids who are seeking a good education? Drag queens. Drag queens. Not only are they not hurting our kids, drag queens make everything better. Drag queens are fun. You know what's not a problem for kids who are seeking a good education? Drag queens. I say this, a drag queen for every school. That's what would be fine for a kid and lift them up when they're having emotional issues. I think this attorney general is having emotional issues. Did you ever in your life think you'd hear a public official say this? The attorney general of a great state like Michigan? But that's not the surprise. Remember I told you, Biden and the others, they don't know how to do anything in the private sector, produce oil, produce tampons, produce baby formula, but they think they can run everything. Run everything. But it's very complicated from beginning to end to put a product out there. It's much more involved. And the bureaucracy has no comprehension or no capability of doing it. All they do is interfere, regulate, and tax 
and impose their ideology and their personal preferences onto entrepreneurs and businesses and employers and employees. Well, here is a shortened version of I Pencil from 1958, an essay by Leonard E. Reed. It was really quite profound in his day. It's a short audio. It's actually a film, but for our purposes, obviously, an audio from the Competitive Enterprise Institute. I believe this is about the fourth time I've ever played it, but people come and go in the audience, and I think it's very, very important. Think about this when you hear it, about the production of oil, the production of food, and all that's involved in all of these things when you listen to this. Cut 20, go. This is the world we live in. If we weren't surrounded by it every day, if we didn't take it for granted, we'd be dumbstruck by its very intricacy and brilliance. This is an ordinary, familiar wooden pencil. You might think a pencil is simple. Chances are you've been using one since before you could even read or write. But just because it's familiar doesn't mean it's simple. In fact, it's complicated, elaborate, beautiful, elegant. Its very existence is too improbable for any one person to truly comprehend. These are the basic materials that go into a pencil. Graphite, cedar, metal, and rubber. But if you had all the elements of a pencil right in front of you, could you make a pencil? It's not as easy as you might think. In fact, no single person on the face of the earth could do it without the help of countless others. And this is the key to understanding the world. A pencil, just like you and me, is the end result of a vast and intricate family tree, a symphony of human activity that spans the globe. Through their work and knowledge, a vast number of people have had a hand in making this simple pencil. Unlike your family tree, this one begins with an actual tree. The most immediate ancestor of the pencil is a cedar tree in the Pacific Northwest. But the loggers who harvest the timber are also its ancestors. And these men don't work alone. They, in turn, are assisted by the people and industries that produce the saws, rope, and countless other tools that they use. These are also the ancestors of our pencil. As is the waitress at a nearby diner who sells the lager's lunch, to say nothing of the thousands of people involved in producing that simple midday meal. Across time and space the web grows. Consider the roads, trucks, ships, communication systems, and the people who design, build, and maintain them. All of them are necessary to bring the lumber to the mills and the slat factories that process them. All of them are also the ancestors of the pencil. And even with the work of all these people, so far all we have is a stained wooden slat, a naked half of a wooden body of a pencil. But its family tree is larger and more extensive. The graphite is mined in China and Sri Lanka. At the pencil factory, it's mixed with clay and heat and other materials before it's extruded, dried, and baked in a kiln. People from different continents, different cultures, cooperate to bring these materials together with waxes and kilns and equipment from across the world. These, too, are the ancestors of the pencil. 
and the same is true of the eraser. With ingredients from around the world, it's the end result of a similarly complex and exotic branch of the family tree. As is the ferrule, the metal band made from material that is mined, refined, and shipped from all over the world. Each part of the pencil is the result of the collaboration and cooperation of millions of people. Together, they form a process that is constantly changing and adapting. A change in the availability or cost of material from one place might make another source more desirable, and the process changes and adapts fluidly. And there is a fact that's still more astounding. The absence of a mastermind, of anyone dictating these countless actions which bring a pencil into being. Each member of this family tree supplies only a small amount of the necessary know-how needed to make a pencil. They do so voluntarily, not because they necessarily want pencils or like pencils, but because by working to create them, they exchange their labor and skills for the wages to let them buy what they want and need. What you're seeing is the market at work. The spontaneous configuration of creative human energies, of millions of people with their various skills and talents, organizing voluntarily in response to human necessity and desire, as if led by an invisible hand to promote an end which was no part of the intention. Every second we are alive, we benefit from the products of voluntary, spontaneous cooperation. This is the modern world. It's miraculous, it's intricate, and it gets better every day, so long as people are free to interact with each other. If we can leave the creative energies of humankind uninhibited, there's no limit to what we can accomplish. Fantastic, isn't it? Lays it out in plain terms. Think a pencil simple? It's not. That's the Competitive Enterprise Institute. We thank them. Let me remind you, at 9.25 p.m. Eastern Time, in approximately, well, it's less than 45 minutes, I will be on Fox on Hannity. So I hope you'll, uh, you'll take a look. I'll be moving quickly from one studio to the next. It's actually like about ooh, 30 feet away. But anyway, I hope you'll watch and... Uh, I'm going to should I put my Biden bubble head on the table or not, Mr. Producer? Should I just sort of have him there while I'm speaking? What do you think? Seriously? I did it once. You remember that? I had the Biden bubble head. Well, we'll see. I don't know. I haven't made up my mind. You'll have to watch. No, I'm not going to get a Hannity bobble head. Uh, there are others I would like to have a bobble head for, but. But he's my buddy. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's take some calls, shall we? I think we will. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, yes, it does. All right, let's go to John, San Jose, California, the great KSFO. John, go right ahead, please. Hi, I sure enjoy uh, listening to you. I really agree with everything you say. Thank I was you. thinking about so the tampon I. shortage and, and the baby. I was thinking about the tampon shortage and the shortage of uh, baby formula, mm-hmm. and the shortage is now being artificially generated by blowing up everything and destroying it, our food processing plants. 
And we all know that uh, in the communist state, the communist state has control of all production. Maybe the communists of the Democratic Party are trying to drive people to beg for government control. Well, I think the war on the capitalism is a real war. It's called the Green New Deal. And it's a bad deal for Americans. And we're experiencing it right now. So they come up with, that's why I call it American Marxism. They come up with these uh, uh, various movements. They call them in the name of the people. They call them reform movements. In other words, they camouflage them. Uh, But this war on energy is a real war. And it has an impact on food and all the rest of it. And that's exactly what's going on. John, thank you for your call, my friend. We shall move on. Steve, Fortage, Michigan, XM Satellite. What do you think about drag queens in the classroom, Steve? Oh, boy. Mark, you don't even want me to go there right now. That's too long of a conversation, but... Yes. Hey, um... I'm a little bit, little bit. Younger. By the way, your attorney general must know a lot about drag queens. She's talking them up. She's telling you how much fun they are. How they. So I'd want to. Uh, I'd want to know about the attorney general and her knowledge of drag queens. But nonetheless, go right ahead. Oh well. All right, Steve. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Okay. Hey, um, I'm a little bit younger than you, but I'm a, re- I'm a retiree. My brother is close to retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been in conversations in regards to the economy, inflation, you know, the gas prices, all this stuff. And I appreciate you having Lee Zeldin on earlier mm-hmm. because it's a reflection of what I really think is happening. And I've told my kids you know, batten down the hatches, because I really think, Mark, and I want to get your opinion on this, I really kind of hope that this inflation and all this stuff goes on through November, because I believe, based upon what happened on Tuesday with this new GOP congresswoman in Texas, that we could have a hundred-person all right, I, I don't. I don't hope it goes on because it punishes people who don't deserve to be punished, including many people listening to this program, family members, colleagues, and so. I really hope it doesn't go on, but it is going to go on um, because the policies that are in place—they're uh, not taking the foot off the throat of the capitalist system. They're they're still trying to punish the uh, the energy companies. Uh, they still want to spend an enormous amount of money, a fortune. And so, uh, like I said, uh, this moves us in the direction of FDR, who created a depression, which went on for a decade, uh, as opposed to Reagan, who slashed taxes to build up the fiscal side while the Fed was taking care of the monetary side with higher interest rates. See, when to try and build up the economy, it's very difficult while the Fed is trying to strengthen the currency. But that's not what's happening here. So I don't wish for it, but unfortunately I'm afraid it is going to arrive. Thank you, Steve. Marilyn, in Rockfield, excuse me, Rockford, Illinois, the great WROK. Marilyn, how are you? Yes, sir. 
I am fabulous, and thank you for taking my call. Uh, I love to listen to you. You inspire me to think and uh, keep that up. Uh, my you. concern and my point as I was listening to you uh, is about school choice. I'm a retired guidance counselor. Uh-huh. I've also been a business owner and a college administrator and a teacher and uh, a uh, uh, field rep in a nonprofit girls. Doesn't sound like the uh, glass ceiling hit your head. Uh, no, I, you know, I, I did what I felt I needed to do, and mm-hmm. I think God called me at various places and put me in a setting that he wanted me to be, so I'm so grateful for that. But mm-hmm. as a, uh, my experience as a guidance counselor, uh, working with families and all sorts of stuff, um, I, I became aware, and, and I'm not... I did not go into the. We're running out of time. First. Yep, go ahead. Um, you became aware of what? My point is, I became aware that there are a lot of families that, because of their economic ability, are able to choose where they buy a house right. and uh, become. Uh, part of a school system, but there are a lot of families who don't, mm-hmm. and I am an advocate for year-round schools, and I'm also pro-choice. Uh, so- All right, my friend, thank you for your call. We finally got there, pro-school choice. Have you noticed that most people, not all, who are pro-abortion choice or not pro-school choice, I'm not saying all, but certainly the politicians run that way. I'll be on Hannity, ladies and gentlemen, in a half hour, 9.25 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. We salute all you heroes out there. God bless you. Go Ukraine. Go America. And I'll see you tomorrow.